Good evening, brothers and sisters. It's a joy to see you all this evening as we gather in the Lord's house at the close of his day to bring praise to him and receive his grace. Let's stand as he calls us to worship this night. Through the abundance of the Lord's steadfast love, enter his house and bow down before him. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Let's sing to the Lord together. Our first hymn is a setting of Psalm 117. It's number seven in the hymnal, From All That Dwell Below the Skies. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before the mountains were formed or ever you had created the earth or the world, you are the eternal creator, uh, the one who was there in the beginning, the one who was there before the beginning, the eternal God, the great I am, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we cannot comprehend your majesty and your splendor and your infinity. Uh, we, We cannot wrap our minds around you or comprehend even one part of you. Uh, For you, Lord, are are the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God. And we are but creatures. Lord, you have made yourself our dwelling place. You have come down to us. You've made a covenant with us. You've bound yourself to us in Christ. And Lord, you have given yourself to us to be our home. And so, Lord, we draw near to you tonight, full of thankfulness, 
marveling at your eternity, marveling at your mercies, marveling at your truth, and rejoicing in the gospel that you've uh, so wondrously given us in your Son. How we thank you for your love and the forgiveness of our sins and our adoption as your children. Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts with a great love for you. Lord, unless you work in our hearts, they will remain cold. So we pray that you would, you would work in us, warm our affections for Christ, fix our attention on Christ, and spur us on to new obedience for Christ, we pray. Uh, hear our worship, receive our thanks, and pour out your grace on us, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. We sang a setting of Psalm 117. Now we're going to go on to Psalm 118, which is number 613 in the hymnal. Give thanks unto the Lord Jehovah. But in his mercy 
Psalter reading tonight is from Psalm 38. Let's give our attention to God's Word. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. And the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man I do not hear, like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. For I said only, let them not rejoice over me, who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Do you have any prayer requests, loved ones, as we come to the Lord's throne of grace together? 
Yes, Donna. Let's go to the throne of grace. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we cry out to you because you are throned in the the heavens. You are high and lifted up. Uh, You are the sovereign God and there is nothing outside of your power or outside of your authority. We, We come to you because you are the sovereign God. You've decreed all things that come to pass from before the foundation of the world according to your infinite wisdom and your counsel. So Lord, we we come to you because you are this great and sovereign king and creator and sustainer of all things. Lord, we we, we come to you also because you are the God of, of all grace. You are the God of the gospel, our redeemer the one who has saved us from our sins, the one who saved us from death, the one who saved us from the powers of darkness, the one who saved us from ourselves, all our iniquities and all our enemies. And you've brought us into this glorious kingdom of your grace. And you've lavished goodness on us. All the goodness you have to give, you've given to us. And so, Lord, we we, we draw near to you in this confidence that you are the sovereign king and also the God who is abundant in goodness and grace. And we, we come to you not in ourselves, but in our Lord Jesus Christ, the great mediator between God and man. We thank you for him. We thank you that he purchased our redemption in his own body on the cross, paying the full penalty for us. We thank you that he rose again from the dead and is at your right hand in heaven ever to intercede for us. We thank you for this sweet and precious hope, the sure and steadfast hope, like an anchor for our souls of his resurrection, the promise of our resurrection. We thank you for your spirit. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful that you have not left us as orphans, but you've poured out your spirit abundantly on us in Christ, that that we might have all that he purchased applied to us. Lord, we pray that we would grow in grace together. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Lord, we pray that we would uh, be be filled with your Spirit and walk according to your Spirit, in step with your Spirit, and that we'd bear the fruit of the Spirit, that we would flourish in love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that we would not be marked by the old sinful uh, desires and deeds of the flesh, but that we would be marked by the very Spirit of Christ and bear the fruit of, of that Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would grow us in these things as a church together, that we would spur one another on to love and good works and, and encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near uh, to, 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 uh, to be faithful disciples of our Lord Jesus. 
Lord, we pray that you would be at work through the, uh, through the ministry of the Word here, uh, be at work through the, uh, the, the shepherding that the elders are, are doing. We pray that you'd be at work through the work that the deacons are doing. Uh, we pray that you would uh, bless those who are teaching Sunday school. Uh, and Lord, for, for all the ministry that goes on uh, between uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in this church and, and fathers and mothers and children in the church. Um, Lord, that you would bless the words that are spoken and build us up in the faith in Christ together. Lord, we pray that you would also um, bless us in our, in our witness. Let us be full of zeal for your gospel and a, and a, and a, and a love for your kingdom and a love for our Lord Jesus Christ and, and full of, of, of a transforming hope, Lord, um, that those around us would see a, a real marked difference in our lives, a strangeness about us, an otherworldliness about us, a heavenly-mindedness about us, and ask why. And Lord, may we have an answer and point them to Christ faithfully. Father, we pray that you bring in the lost, uh, that you grow our church, um, that we'd see sinners converted, um, that we'd see uh, those who are slipping and drifting in the faith, strengthened in the faith. Lord, that we would be a church... um, uh, that, that you are powerfully working in by your word to these ends. Lord, we pray also for the work, uh, the work of your kingdom throughout this uh, community around us. We, we pray for these two young men um, that the Fitzgeralds have met, and uh, we, we pray for, for them that you would work salvation uh, in, their, in their hearts. We pray that you draw them to Christ by your irresistible grace and your sovereign power. Father, we pray for um, we pray for your gospel as it's as it's preached throughout our presbytery. Uh, we pray for the the churches uh, in our in our presbytery in New York and New England. We pray for the ministers of these churches, and we pray that you would uh, cause your word to go forth uh, in each of them uh, week by week. Father, we pray for um, we, we pray for our wider denomination. And we pray for the some of the mission works of our church. We pray that you would bless. Uh, the Holloways in Manassas, Virginia. Bless John Paul as he preaches and teaches and labors among the saints there. Lord, we pray that church would be built up in faith, uh, that you would equip, uh, equip uh, men for, for office in that church, for elders and deacons, and that you would bless that church with growth and stability and unity. Lord, we pray for your work everywhere. We pray for Mike and Lilia's as they continue to work um, here in the States uh, for, for, for works abroad, we pray, Lord, that you would bless their ministry, even though it uh, seems to be um, facing the, the, the challenges of, of this long distance uh, uh, between them and the field where they're working. We pray that you would continue to bless it, um, bless it for the training up of men um, in, in, these, in these foreign mission fields. Um, Father, we pray for the work that's going on in Ukraine, we pray for the hackerboards. We pray your continued hand on them for safety, uh, for blessing, to strengthen them, and to give good success to their ministry, um, that your gospel would flourish there. Um, we thank you for providing so well, Lord, for the crates for Ukraine. We thank you for all the saints uh, here and throughout our nation who've contributed to this. And we pray that this would be a means of your gospel uh, going forth. Uh, that this would be um, mercy shown in the name of Christ for the glory of Christ. Father, all these things we pray, uh, asking that your will would be done as, as according to your good wisdom, 
according to your purpose, according to your power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the Word of God, we're going to sing again together. uh, Number 461, Not What My Hands Have Done. Let's stand and sing number 461. Pardon, give 
Amen. Please be seated. Our Old Testament text for the sermon this evening is Genesis 27. This is God's Word. Let's give it our full attention now. Now it came to pass, when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. And now therefore please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him, and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be those who bless you. 
Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of uh, it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran. And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? In our New Testament text, Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. Here we see a very different picture. Um, rather than grasping and striving and ambition, here we see our Lord Jesus calling us uh, to follow him in, uh, in, uh, in serving Let's listen to Matthew twenty-eight, seventeen through. Uh, excuse me, Matthew twenty, seventeen through twenty-eight. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, "Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again." Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one in your right hand 
and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would be now pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis 27, the covenant family is imploding. Um, Everything's falling apart. Everyone is doing what they think is right in their own eyes. And um, uh, they're, they're, they're acting out of self-interest and, and ambition and, and their own pride and their own desires. Um, and, and everything's just coming apart. Uh, uh, the, the marriage is coming apart. The parenting-child relationship is coming apart. The sibling relationship is, is coming apart. God's name is mentioned, invoked, abused, but no one's calling out to the Lord. No one's crying out to Him for help. Uh, no one's waiting on him. Uh, we, we look at the chapter of Genesis 27 here, and the promise that it's through this family that God will bless the world strikes us as a little bit preposterous. Right? God, God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless the world through your descendants, through, the, through, through this family. Um, but look at this family. I mean, who are they blessing right now? Really? Um, they're not a wonderful model of what a godly home should look like or what a godly uh, church should, should be, are they? Um, they're, they're actually exactly the opposite of that, right? Here's what not to do. Here's what not to be. Um, but there's a comfort for us in that um, because it's familiar, uh, right? Um, sometimes our, our own families aren't exactly a model of what a godly family should be. Our own marriages, our own relationships in the home, um, uh, or, our, or, or our church doesn't always look like a godly church should. Um, even on its best days, we are marked by sin and weakness and failure. Um, and that's what we're seeing here in the covenant people of God in Genesis 27. But underneath all that, what we're seeing is God's grace sustaining them. Right, that, that none, of, none of what's going on here in this chapter is, uh, is wrecking the covenant of grace. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not thwarting the purposes of God. His, his grace is still underneath it. His grace is still pursuing His purpose. His grace is greater than, than the sin that we see in this chapter. And, and, the, and the same is true with us as well. That even in some of the wreckage of our homes and sometimes the wreckage of a church relationship, 
God, God is still at work, and He's still pursuing His purpose, and His steadfast love endures forever. His grace pursues His people. His grace pursues you and me. And it's His grace that accomplishes His purpose in us, even in our failure, even in our sin. I want to look at uh, a few different things here, three, three headings this evening. Um, the first is, is this, failed parents. We're going to look first at the failed parents in this chapter. Um, the first big failures in Genesis 27 that we see are, are the parents. We start with Isaac. Um, he's the patriarch, God's representative. Uh, he is the child of promise. He is the head of the covenant family of God. His job is to lead his family and, and to lead God's people, this, this, this seed of a nation that's going to grow into Israel. Uh, his job is to lead them in following God, fearing the Lord, uh, following the promises. And, and it's his job, especially now as he gets older, and he's old here, he thinks he's about to die. It's his job to make sure that the, the, the torch is passed on to the next generation and that it's not dropped as it's passed off. That the next generation, that his sons are raised up, fearing the Lord, honoring the Lord, trusting the Lord, trusting the promises of the Lord. Their, their whole lives, he should have been, right from the very day they were born, Jacob and Esau, his sons, he should have been instructing them in the fear of the Lord and the promises of God. Um, and, and he's known, since before they were born, that Jacob was the one who was going to be the next patriarch, the one through whom God's blessing would go. So, so from the very day they were born, he should have been preparing them for their roles. Um, Jacob, you're, you're the younger son, but, but this is the way God works. Uh, he's, he's chosen you to be the patriarch, as he's revealed to us. And, and so you're going to have to, you're gonna have to uh, carry that mantle, Esau. You're going to have to humble yourself and submit to him, uh, submitting to the Lord and supporting him. Um, but uh, even if Isaac clicked with Esau better, uh, or, or, or liked Esau better, he should have himself submitted to God's will and, uh, and done what the Lord commanded him to do. Think, think of Isaac's father, Abraham. You almost have a similar situation. Um, Abraham didn't play favorites in, in the same sense. Abraham was devoted to his son Isaac, the son of promise, but he had another son, Ishmael. And Ishmael was threatening the covenant. And, and what did Abraham do? He made sure the covenant promise goes forward. The son of promise is protected, even if it meant that he had to do what he didn't want to do and, and send Ishmael away. Abraham faithfully passed the torch. Uh, but now it seems like Isaac is, is dropping it. Um, it might have been a very different story if Isaac had done his duty as a father and teaching and raising his, his sons. But he doesn't do this. Um, instead, he fails. Um, he shows partiality, uh, which the Bible clearly calls sin. Proverbs twenty eight twenty one says, "To show partiality is not good." James two one, my brothers, show no partiality, because as Paul writes in Romans two eleven, God shows no partiality. It's clear, and there's lots of other texts you could add to that. God is not partial. God isn't play favorites, neither should we play favorites, um, especially with our children, as, uh, as Isaac does here. Um, so Isaac's not reflecting the character of God, and he's 
been showing favoritism to, the, uh, to Esau over Jacob, and it's driven this wedge in between him and Rebekah, his wife, and it's also driven a wedge between, between his sons. Uh, so much of the dysfunction here, I think, can be laid at Isaac's feet um, for showing favoritism and, and partiality. We see, we see failure, too, not just in the fact that Isaac shows this, this favoritism, but also um, why he does. Um, back in chapter 25, verse 28, we see why Isaac favors Esau. It says there in, in, in verse 28 of 25, it says, Isaac loved Esau because of his game. He liked the meat. Esau's the hunter. Esau brings him good food. And he likes that. And, and so he, he favors him for this. And we see this right here again in chapter 27 as he commands Esau, right? He says, go out to the field, hunt some game for me, and make me savory food such as I love. Right? At the root of, of, of Isaac's sin of favoritism is his, is his stomach, his, his appetites. Um, uh, he, he's thinking with his belly. He's thinking in an earthly way, not in a heavenly way. He's walking by, uh, not, not by faith, but by sight and by taste, right? He, he's, he's, uh, uh, and, and his son Esau picks this up and carries it even further than his father does, uh, living, living this way as we've seen. And Isaac is so committed to these idols of his heart um, that he is stubbornly resisting the will of God to the very end here. He knows what God wants. He knows that God has chosen Jacob, but he insists, uh, he, re- he insists stubbornly on um, giving the blessing of the firstborn to Esau and making him the master, uh, the, next, the next patriarch. There's a warning here for us, brothers and sisters. Isaac, is a, in so many ways, in so many other ways, he's a, he, is a, he is a great example of faith and trust and quiet waiting on the Lord. Um, but, but he's also prone to sin. And being a great man of faith doesn't mean you're not, not prone to sin. We sing that hymn. Um, the, the words are so, they ring so true, don't they? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or, or how well your walk is going as a Christian, uh, how much you have waited and prayed and trusted in the past, uh, what, what submission to God you've shown in the past. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much of that there is. You don't, you don't reach a point this side of glory um, where you can say, well, I don't need to humble myself before the Lord today. Um, I'm not vulnerable to sin today. Um, what matters is today. Faithfulness today. Humility, submission, obedience, fear of the Lord today. So we see Isaac's great uh, failure here. But he's not the only one who fails. Uh, Rebecca fails too. Um, She overhears what Isaac is saying to Esau, um, telling him to go hunt, prepare food, and and get the blessing of the firstborn son. Uh, And we get the narrators really highlighting the favoritism for us here. If you notice in verse 5, it says, um, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And then in verse 6, it says, um, so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son. Right? There's his son and her son. Right? Very clear favoritism going on here. Um, so she, she whips up a plan. Um, she, uh, Isaac is old and blind. So it's going to be easy to trick him and deceive him, uh, she thinks. Um, such a contrast between 
her and Sarah at, at this point. Sarah uh, was submissive to Abraham, but also called him out when he needed to hear it uh, and wasn't afraid to do that. But, but um, Rebecca doesn't... What, what should she do? She should go to Abraham and say, Abraham... Uh, she should go to her husband Isaac and say, Isaac, um, the Lord said that the blessing's supposed to go to Jacob. You're rebelling against the Lord. You need to repent. But instead, she resorts to deceit. And... Um, uh, and and, and uh, uh, this lying approach instead. She's not walking in faith. Um, seems like she has taken the promise that God gave that Jacob would be the, the next patriarch, and she has she has made this. Uh, she's, she's twisting it to her own purpose. She's playing favorites, and um, she's not so much I think wanting to see the Lord's will done as wanting to see what Rebecca wants done. Um, that uh, she's, she's hijacking God's mission for her own purposes, um, turning God's mission into her own agenda. Um, and so she takes matters into her own hands, and rather than calling on the Lord and asking him for wisdom, she relies on herself, her own resources. Uh, so she, she resorts to deceit and to lies. Um, she tells Jacob to get these two goats from the flock. She cooks them just the way Isaac likes it. Uh, she puts the clothes of Esau on Isaac, puts the, uh, the, the, the goat uh, fur on him so that, uh, on, on Jacob so that uh, Isaac won't know the difference. Um, again, it's, uh, it's um, brazen deceit, right? She's um, uh, deceiving her husband, um, taking the purposes of God and making them her own. And, and loved ones, if the great matriarch, Rebecca, was tempted and susceptible to these things. Uh, so, so are we. To take the purpose of God, hijack it for our own purpose, to, uh, to, to, take, to take, uh, take our children, which he's given us for his glory, and we take them and, and we, we train them, but not, not because we want them to bring glory to the Lord, but because we want them to bring some kind of fulfillment to ourselves. Um, or we take God's church and we pour into his church. But it's not really about the Lord. It's about, it's about something to do with ourselves. Um, we're not immune to these things either. So we see these two great failures. Uh, this failure in Isaac, this failure in Rebecca. Um, but the failure keeps going. Uh, the second thing we see is, is failed sons. We saw failed parents, now failed sons. Uh, we start with Jacob. Um, what should he do? Ideally, what, what, what should Jacob do here? Um, well, he would say, uh, Mom, uh, respectfully, no, th- this is not right. Uh, this is not the right way to do this. Um, he, sh- he should own the fact that God is calling him to be the next spiritual leader in this family. He should, he should, uh, he should go to his father and, and, and uh, talk with him about it. But instead, he goes along with his mother, um, and uh, he, he, he plays along, and he becomes just as deceitful and grasping and ambitious. It's, um, it's really tragic to read his conversation with his father. His father is blind, but he has no qualms about going to him and lying to him. His father can tell something seems a little bit off. He keeps asking him questions, uh, you know, touching his skin, asking, is, are, is it really you, Esau? And he just keeps on lying and lying and lying about it to his father. Uh, he's being a coward. He's being a cheat. He's being deceitful, um, uh, taking advantage of his father. Um, and, and then, um, 
worst of all, perhaps, uh, Isaac says, well, how do you, you get back so soon from the hunt? Um, he takes the Lord's name in vain, doesn't he? He says, oh, the Lord blessed me. Right? It sounds, he's trying to sound pious, but he's just, he's taking the Lord's name and no fear of the Lord. He's just, the Lord's name is one more weapon in his arsenal to trick his dad, uh, pull the wool over his eyes and get what he wants for himself. Um, so this deceit and, and this, this, this ambition. At the heart of what I think uh, is, is Jacob's failure is, is this, this grasping at the inheritance uh, that's been promised. This uh, grasping at it, uh, uh, trying, to, trying to hold tight to it, get it for himself uh, without trusting the Lord and, and waiting on the Lord. Reminds me very much of Lot, actually. Back in Genesis 13, uh, that scene where Abraham and Lot are, are they're getting too, too many for the close area they're in, so Abraham says, well, look out, and you, you choose the, the portion of the land that you want, and Lot grasps at the best with the eyes of this world, not the eyes of faith, whereas Abraham waits and trusts the Lord to give the inheritance in his time. Um, Jacob looks a lot more like, uh, like, like Lot than, uh, than Abraham at this moment. He doesn't seem to really care about the spiritual things of God. It's, it's just that he wants, he wants the Lord. He wants what he wants. Um, it's not that he's serving the kingdom. The kingdom is serving him. The covenant is serving him. This is a, this is a, this is a, a temptation we all face um, and something we all, we all struggle with. It's the same attitude that James warns about in, in James 4. Verses 3 and 4, he says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Um, what Jacob does, and what we are so prone to do, is to, is to ask for things from God or, or, or to look at God as a, as a, as a means to, to, to our own ends. Rather than seeing that I exist for his glory, he exists to be useful to me. Help me feel better about my problems, or or uh, help help my, my marriage go better, my, my family go better, my work go better, um, various things. But that's not what the gospel is at all about. Well, the gospel is about getting us God, right? Not his gifts, um, but the Lord Himself. Uh, Jacob Jacob hasn't learned this, but he. Uh, he presses on in this. Um, he deceives his father, secures the blessing. Um, Esau comes back. Uh, Esau is devastated and enraged. Um, and uh, he pleads with his father to bless him, and Isaac does, but it's a secondary blessing. Um, and uh, it, it uh, destines him for a conflict with Jacob and with Jacob's descendants. And Esau goes out vowing to, to kill his brother. Um, once his father has died. So we, we see not only Jacob's failure, we also see Esau's. I think we sympathize with Esau, right? His brother's been a, uh, a jerk. His brother has stolen the birthright. His, his brother has uh, uh, taken the blessing. His brother has uh, cheated and deceived. Uh, but, but Esau is not innocent at all here, right? Because he, he's, he's, still, he's fighting against God's will as well, fighting against God's commandment as well. Um, he, he should know that, that, that the Lord has promised that Jacob's going to be the one to lead the covenant. And he should submit to him and support him and, and help him. But instead, he's doing everything he can to fight him. Um, and uh, he, is not, he is not going to give up until he sees his brother dead. Um, he, 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 we see him weeping, crying throughout this passage. But it's not a, it's not a sorrow for his sin, a uh, desire for repentance. It's just a desire to get even with his brother and a 
and a frustration over not getting the things he wanted to get. And so he becomes the enemy of God's people and desires to to kill his his brother. And so, loved ones, we come to the end of, uh, as we come to the end of the chapter, everything's falling apart. The parents have failed, the sons have failed, and the family's at war with itself. Um, Here's God's chosen people. (laughs) It's God's chosen people. Um, blessing the world. And this is what it looks like. But, there's one more thing to consider. The unfailing God. We've seen the failed parents and the failed sons, but we need to look at the unfailing God. Um, God is uh, not... We don't, we don't see God speaking in this chapter. We don't see him actively um, uh, addressing his people in this chapter. Um, but his sovereign grace runs underneath all of it. And his purposes are, are working through this all, uh, working all this sin even for good. Um, consider, consider with me how the Lord works to bring blessing on Jacob through this. Um, Isaac has, has given this blessing to Jacob. Um, the words are Isaac's, but the blessing is really the Lord's. He's, he's giving him the promise that, that he gave to Abraham, he gave to Isaac, and now he's giving it to Jacob. And it's the Lord himself acting through Isaac's words in that moment to bless and uh, elect, elect Jacob. Um, in verse 28, Isaac calls on God to bless Jacob with an abundance of good things. He asks God to give him authority, to give him the respect and tribute of the nations around him. And, um, and, and then I, Isaac says uh, that this, this, this blessing is effective. It's, it's efficacious. It does what it's supposed to do once it's been proclaimed. It's the very word of God on him. Um, but it's just astounding, isn't it, that, that, that God is, is blessing Jacob? God does bless Jacob. He does answer this. Even though Jacob's there, um, deceiving, sinning, lying, disrespecting, dishonoring, and not really even desiring God, just the things God can give him, in all that, God still blesses him. Um, how, how can God do this? How can he use sin? How can he use, how can he use even this sin of Jacob to bring about his purpose here? It's a mystery, isn't it? Uh, God, God cannot be the author of sin. He's holy. He cannot sin. And yet, uh, yet he, he uses sin for his sovereign purposes. His, his sovereignty is so complete and comprehensive that it even, even, can, even can take sin and use it for his own glory. We, we, see, this, we see this throughout Scripture. We see it here, of course. Uh, we'll see it in the Joseph narrative as well. Right? Joseph says, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Um, uh, God takes horrible things, wrong things, sinful things, and he, and he uses them for good ends. Um, most of all, we see this in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the, the worst sin of all, the greatest evil of all, the murder of Jesus Christ, God uses that for the greatest good of all. Um, John Piper has a little book about, about this called Spectacular Sins, where he looks at, at these things in Scripture. And uh, he says that at the cross... God makes evil commit suicide. Right? He, he, he takes the greatest evil, trying to accomplish, evil trying to do evil's worst, and it accomplishes God's best and actually defeats evil. But who but God could do that? We see God use the worst things to accomplish the best things. He did it at the cross. Uh, he can do it in our lives as well, loved ones. Um, 
we should never say, well, that means I can just go sin, and God will work it out in the end. Uh, that's not how people of God united to Jesus Christ live. Um, that's not what we desire. God calls us to obedience, but we have this wonderful hope, the sins of your past that you hate and you grieve over. God's going to use even those for good for you to show you the love that He has for you, uh, the, the grace that He shows you. In the mystery of His providence, He's working everything for good for those who love Him, who are called according to our purpose. This is, this is, um, this is just breathtaking. God blesses sinners. As we see here, not, not, just, a, not just a little bit, right? Not just, a, not just a, a few crumbs of blessing, right? But He blesses sinners with all the blessings that He has to give, all the blessings of the covenant He gives to sinners, to Jacob's, um, not, not because of, uh, of, of their worth and their obedience, just because He set His love on, on us, brothers and sisters. Um, isn't this what He's done for you and, and your family as well? Um, how, how, we're not that different from Jacob, and our families aren't much different from Genesis 27, really, if we're honest. Right, but the, the grace of God right, it, it is so sufficient for us. His grace goes out to this family in Genesis 27. Surely it's coming to you as well if you're looking to Him. We're, we're all failed parents and failed children and failed families. Right, but His grace is sufficient for us. While we are yet sinners, God sends His Son to bear our guilt and to merit this free and full and, and wonderful salvation for us. And loved ones, this is why Genesis 27 isn't the last chapter in the Bible. Um, because it's not up to Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau for the covenant to go on and for God's promises to go on. Um, everything's falling apart. It should fall apart. This should be the end. But God's grace is, is there. Um, um, it, it's about to get worse. Jacob's going to be running for his life. He's going to um, probably, it seems, never see... Uh, uh, his mother again, um, she says in verse 44, you know, uh, go away for a, a few days and then come back. He's going to be gone 20 years. Um, but um, God's not done with Jacob. His covenant stands and his promises stand. And, 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 and it's, his, his promises are no weaker uh, from, this, from the events of this chapter than they ever have been. Because his promises aren't built on the backs of his covenant people but on the back of Christ, the mediator, the foundation. Um, consider, consider Christ, as we wrap up tonight. Consider Christ, the foundation of the covenant. Right? All this grace, all this goodness, it's in Christ, it's because of Christ. Consider Him, loved ones, in light of, in light of what we've seen in this chapter, the failure we've seen in this chapter. Right? We looked at Isaac, stubbornly insisting on his own way, um, uh, uh, following his earthly appetites, putting those ahead of God's purposes. But what does our Lord Jesus do? Denies himself. Submits to the will of God. Not my will, but yours be done. Goes to the cross. He's not like Rebecca either. Our Lord Jesus is not right like Rebecca, uh, resorting to deceit and cunning to get her own way. Jesus comes, and there's no deceit in him. 
He speaks the truth clearly and openly. Um, he's, he's not like Jacob, right? Grasping at the inheritance, uh, full of rivalry and selfish ambition. But our Lord Jesus comes, right? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Um, Jesus comes and humbles himself, and he serves, and he, and he gives up, and, and, he, and he lays down his life, and he washes his disciples' feet. Right? Can you imagine Jacob doing that for Esau? Right? That, that's the antithesis of, of who Jacob is. He's a grasper, and he's ambitious for his own ends, but our Lord Jesus Christ, he comes, and he's patient, and he suffers, and he waits on the Lord. And our Lord Jesus is no Esau either. Right? He's not, uh, not uh, 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 though, though we've wronged him, though we've offended him, though we've betrayed him, though we've uh, sinned against him, he does not become angry with us and decide to uh, take out his wrath on us. He is patient and gentle with sinners. Right? All, all these failures we see in this chapter right, are just showing us all the more clearly the glories of Christ, our Redeemer, and, and all the failures in our lives and our homes and our families and our relationships as well, right? They, they point us to the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus. So take, take the dysfunction and the failure to Him and uh, cry out to Him, Lord, Lord, save even me and even my family and even, even, even our church. Um, Lord, Lord, have mercy on us for the sake of Jesus Christ. Um, he'll, he'll do it. All of it is resting on Him. All of it. So trust Him and follow Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for uh, Your love for us and uh, for, for just what a perfect and sufficient mediator You are. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. And we thank You that we can rest knowing uh, that You are the one who is uh, on, on whom this grace rests. Lord, we pray that we would uh, walk in faithfulness to You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, loved ones, as we, uh, as we close this evening, singing number 460 together. Yeah.
God's blessing. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.